Well, good evening, everybody in Alberta, Canada, and beyond. It is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023, and I'm Carrie Labert, and I welcome you to an online webinar evening of Solutions for a New Alberta, brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP. We are a nonpartisan, not-for-profit educational society who are advocating, as inspiring, and educating all Albertans on the merits of freedom and prosperity through independence. Of course, this couldn't be done without your help. And if this is your first time watching, welcome. And I hope you find this information engaging and wanting to find out more. And if you're a regular APP webinar viewer, thank you for your support. We couldn't do this without you. APP is membership driven with a goal of a million plus members to help steer the political process, especially this year being 2023 and an election year. APP memberships are one year for $20, two years for $30, three years for $40, and you can find out more at albertaprosperityproject.com. And tonight's webinar is entitled Alberta Justice, a Flawed System. And we hope to answer questions like, is our justice system flawed? If so, how is it flawed? And how can we make it better? And this is a live webinar, so we encourage you to ask questions and make comments through this, throughout this presentation. And if you can, if you want to ask a question, just put three question marks before your question in the comments. And then that way it flags us as, a, as, a, as a really being a question. So we actually have two amazing people here tonight. So normally it's just me and someone else or, you know, we have two people. But we actually have, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, it doesn't really matter. I guess I got Catherine's up here first. So I'll, I'll uh, introduce Catherine here. Catherine Kowalczuk is uh, from Lawyers for Truth. She co-founded Lawyers for Truth in uh, December 2021. Uh, she is a family law lawyer in Alberta since 2020, uh, 2003, and she's been vocal and active in calling out the government tyranny in Alberta. And uh, so that is Catherine. Thank you very much for joining us here. I guess it's this Hi, way. everyone. <laughs> and we have Granny Margaret Mackay, who I used to just <laughs> call her Mackay all the time because being mm -hmm. Canadian, that seems to be the way it is, but it is Mackay. And I guess I would call you an activist uh politically and uh and and just trying to find out what the hell is going on and you've taken it upon yourself to get involved uh jumping in um you know, you know you could say head head first into what's been happening with uh the boys down in coots so maybe that's how we can start this conversation because i know that's where people are really asking questions about right now so you know Obviously, we're trying to find out what exactly is happening here in uh, in Alberta with the justice. So why don't we start by saying, so what's happening in Coots? What what even happened in Coots? What what you know we had a we had a convoy. We, had, we ended up going out to uh, to Ottawa, if anybody remembers, in uh, January twenty third. I think is when we left uh, Calgary. But basically, we got, we ended up getting out there around the twenty eighth. And we overstayed our welcome, according to people out east. And at that time, um, there was another convoy that took place that went down to Coots, Alberta. And maybe you can kind of fill us in a little bit, Margaret, as to what happened there. Well, to be honest, I don't know a lot that happened there because um, yeah. I was in Ottawa, as you know. You were. Um, you were actually with us. Yeah. I was there from the start to the end and then some because I didn't get home till March 13th. Okay. Yes, so, you were. That's right. Yeah. I was actually outside of the remand uh, center in Ottawa waiting yeah. for George and Pat to get out. 
Okay. And as we all know, that didn't happen. So I, Sarah and I came home. That's right. So who, who is George and who is Pat? Just so people know. Well, they were we two people, they were two people that were part of the convoy. And, and George and, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm okay. Pat. Yeah. Pat. Everybody knows who they are. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, well, I so want any, to hmm? interested, then, then they can always do their own research on the names yeah. that, we, that we list off. Yeah. So, okay. Continue. So that was my first lesson on, on people not getting out of jail. Yeah. Uh, not innocent until proven guilty. They yeah. they went through quite a bit too. Yeah. So on the way home, we were hearing about some some arrests and some charges in Coots. It was very blurred, as you know. It was hard to keep track of what was going on. Yeah. So when I got back home, I kept asking, "Were who who was arrested? Who got charged? Is anybody in jail?" Yeah. And I couldn't get any answers. It was like crickets. Yeah. And then finally, I, I'm not sure, I posted in that coot site and it was actually you that came below and gave me four names. Probably. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so I got four names, still didn't know who they were Yeah. and uh, found out they were still in jail. And all I could think about was the mothers. Yeah. I kept thinking, oh my gosh, somebody's kids, doesn't ha- matter how old you are, yeah. they're somebody's kids. Yeah. So I started looking into it a little bit further and found out they were still in jail. Nobody was paying attention to them. Yeah. I started putting some posts out trying to find out myself what was going on. Yeah. Then I started getting reached out by the family. Uh, some family members started contacting me. Um, the stories I were he- was hearing was, was so upsetting. Yeah. And then um, it was like the public just forgot about them. And the freedom movement moved on without them. And part of the freedom movement is no man left behind. And these four were left behind and then some. That's right. And so I started digging into who they were. I got their pictures. I started posting their addresses for the remand centers. Um, Started getting people. I'm big into mental health. That's how I kind of started with a couple years ago was, was all to do with mental health and COVID. Yeah. So... I started thinking, oh, my gosh, these guys are inside jail. And what's their mental health like? So then I start. Yeah. And okay, I got to back up a bit. So after I saw what I saw in in Ottawa, the lies the government told, the lies that the media told, the lies that the police told, we saw it or I saw it firsthand. And it was very upsetting. So in my mind, I'm thinking, what if they're lying in coots, too? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. My head went there. Yeah. Why wouldn't it go there? I That's saw right. lies from Ottawa. Yeah. So I started asking questions and then I stay, I stay in the middle of the road, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. It is not my business to know the details. It's not my business to know anything about what happened. Yeah. My business as being a, a Canadian and an Alberta citizen is justice. Because yeah. if these four men cannot get justice, none of us are going to have justice. And yeah. If I end up in jail, I sure hope somebody's going to speak up for me mm-hmm. because nobody spoke, nobody, the, the family got worn out, the friends yeah. got worn out, everybody was exhausted. Yeah. So then I started sharing who the men were. Mm-hmm. I am good friends with the family now. Everybody thinks one of them is my son. No, my son is not in jail. I don't know the man. I've never met the man. I've met two of the family members to date. Mm-hmm. I've talked to everybody on the phone. I, I talked to the men on the phone. That's how I know them now. And so I'm just pushing forward, trying to find justice. Yeah. And so, 
who who are these who are these guys? Well, I don't know if you can see this. Actually, I was go. just going to call that up on the screen here. Uh, Sean <laughs> might be able to do that. I've got it. That's what I was tinkering with right there. So basically, you you put this together. So what? Yes, what, I did. Tell us tell us what's going on. Oh, with that. Okay, so Chris Carbert is in the sunglasses. Jerry Morin, the cowboy hat, yeah. and then we got Tony Olianek, and then we got Chris Lysick on the other end. Okay. Now I started. As we know, the media doesn't really help anybody these days unless it helps them. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to be a smart, I won't swear, but you know what I mean. Um, we got to get in front of the media. They don't want to help us. Yeah. So I, I came up with a bumper sticker program to go across Canada. Perfect. And people will start asking about these men and people will start realizing we have people in jail that aren't are not getting due process. And, and it's been a nightmare what these men have gone through. It's honestly, the, the lawyers are like a revolving door. And there's a whole thing there. I'm not going to speak much about that, but um, that story will come out soon. It's, it's not a good story. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, what we've heard anyways is, is it's the, the, the continuing rhetoric, the people saying, well, you know, they're, they're, we've got a process going on here. You know, if they, if they get in... If they get in front of a judge within 18 months, then that's good enough. And uh, I'm not sure whether oh. Catherine can answer on any of those sorts of allegations that people are saying. They're, you know, they're saying that, uh, you know, there's reasons why they're kept in jail. And what what would actually be the process normally of, of someone that is arrested? And it doesn't matter what they're arrested on. Let's just, you know, whether or not it's uh, attempted something or or actually, you know, whatever. What what would be the process? If I was supposed to be arrested, what would be the process that I would be going through? Well, you'd be going, you would you would be um attending a bail hearing, first of all. And I think that's that's the first thing that um of course happened in this case as well. But as you know, bail was denied and and um and they've seen fit apparently to to extend that. And as far as I know, actually after speaking with um, Granny McKay, that some of these some of these guys can't even get lawyers now because they've exhausted all their financial resources. Wow. Uh, obviously, they haven't been able to contribute uh, to um, their their legal battle because they're in jail, and I I find that to be the biggest um, miscarriage of justice right yeah. there because yeah. um, the charges are one thing, and we can talk about that. Um, later in terms of uh, my opinion, not about, because I don't know intimately what the charges are and I obviously haven't seen the evidence. However, uh, we, we do know that violent uh, offenders um, are released on bail routinely. And this is a common knowledge within the RCMP and within the judicial system. And for the life of me, I, the only reason why I can think that these these boys are still sitting in jail right now is because of the of political motivation to keep them in jail. It's to send a, a message to all of us freedom fighters. Yeah. It's to chill the movement yeah. and it's to uh, discourage people from from getting involved and 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 resisting what the government is forcing down our throats. So do you know, were you watching any of the, uh, the, the convoy hearing um, out in Ottawa, the, the, the 
circus that basically went on for three weeks talking about, you know, how the convoy and, uh, happened and who it was and how the Emergencies Act was uh, enacted. Did you watch any of that? And, and if so, can you make any comment whatsoever on whether or not the, the boys and coots had anything to do with that? Well, I think that whole um, political theater commission um, uh, event was just that. It was political theater. From what I understand, um, Trudeau set the parameters of what the commissioner uh, would be able to look at. From what I did see also, the commissioner, they really did make it out to be some sort of mock trial uh, where... Uh, the freedom fighters and the truckers uh, and families and friends supporting them were were basically put on put on this mock trial, from what I can tell, and uh, and I don't I'm not confident that we are actually going to see any justice as a result of that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that they will uh, do whatever they can to um, at best maybe slap Trudeau's hands, but and make recommendations in terms of what what they could add to the Emergencies Act in order to give the public the perception that this won't happen again. But in reality, um, this did happen. And the fact that, you know, uh, unredacted or or redacted um, evidence was put forward to the lawyers sometimes within a very short period of time, the fact that there was time limits on the questioning, the fact that, um, you know, lawyers were thrown out of the commission for um, for um, voicing their opposition with respect to uh, how they were being treated by the commission. Yeah. I think for any Canadian who saw what happened, um, and, and in fact, there were two lawyers for truth lawyers uh, who presented uh, at at the commission as well. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm not, I'm not overly optimistic that anything of substance will come out of, of that whole exercise. Do you know anything more about uh, Preston Manning's public inquiry? Because that was kind of uh, being talked about on the heels of this Emergencies Act. And I actually have not heard anything further, so... Well, I know that it's continuing. Mm-hmm. The last, last I understand is that they're looking for people to sit, um, I guess, on the panels to hear this evidence and also probably trying to find people to present as well. You know, um, I think any awareness that is brought to the attention of the injustices that have occurred over the past three years in particular yeah. should be applauded. However... Um, you know, Preston Manning notes himself that there, you know, and others have noted that they really don't have any powers to compel, um, like to subpoena a testimony. Yeah. And, and that in and of itself will, I, I think, frustrate the process. You, yeah. you know, COVID Care Alliance did a similar um, exercise months before. I don't know, it could have been a while before that got very little coverage as well. And I, I do think that it's really good to hear the people's stories um, and understand where we're at, but really without the the next step of having the teeth of 
um, being able to take these findings and hold uh, people accountable. Mm -hmm. Again, is it much ado about nothing? I don't know. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, just to kind of get back to the the question about uh, the boys and coots. So they were arrested federally, right? Uh, with, uh, a, 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 I believe it was attempted murder of uh, a conspiracy, conspiracy, conspiracy to to commit uh, against RCMP officers. So that was federal because it was an RCMP officer. Is that the reason why it's federal? It's federal because they're criminal charges and the okay. criminal code is federal is federal legislation. And right. so it falls under under um, Ottawa's uh, um, purview. Okay. And and therefore, um, that's what makes it federal. OK, so we also have a couple of other people, uh, Alex Van Herk, Marco Van uh, Hootenbos and George Jansen, who were also arrested basically from my understanding, for standing up and speaking at the uh, at the Coots blockade meeting, if you want to call it that, and but that's a different thing because it seems to be that that is provincial, and the reason I say that is because it doesn't seem to involve the feds, and we now have Rebel News who's coming in and backing them with uh, fight the fines, but yet Rebel News is not backing the boys, the four guys uh, from um, the conspiracy. So any comments on that either way? I don't, I'm not familiar with what um, the other guys are charged with it. They may be, they may be provincial offenses, uh, probably under the Public Health Act, perhaps. Um, So that could be the distinction there. Uh, as for how Rebel News decides who they're going to help, I have no idea how they make that determination and and what factors go into into that. Yeah. Uh, I I do I do think um, and I, I don't know, Granny, were you trying to fundraise as well? What happened with that? Well, I am fundraising right now. We've got a give send go that's set up um, with the approval of all, of all four families. It's the only yeah. give send go that's set up right now. And um, it's a slow go. People are afraid to donate because the bank accounts were closed or shut down when um, the convoy money was raised. So people are more apt to put cash in a bucket than they are to do anything. I've I've actually got people that will e-transfer me money. They will send me a check. They will give me cash to go and put it on the give, send, go. But they won't do it themselves. It's, it's It's a hard go. Yeah, and that's exactly what the um, politicians wanted. That's exactly mm-hmm. why they did exactly what they did. You know, mm-hmm. I find it really interesting. Like, um, a lot has transpired over the last three years, in particular, with respect to unveiling the inadequacies of our judicial system. Uh, it does go beyond that as well. I can tell you that like the Law Society of Alberta uh, required, uh, has changed the rules of the Law Society after the fact, mind you, to compel lawyers to take cultural competency training. And the first thing that they did was to, to make a requirement of our membership to take a course on... Um, on indigenous history for instance okay that's basically what is it about and i'm not saying that i'm not a proponent of learning um 
about um, Indigenous rights and Indigenous history, etc. What I do find um, quite concerning about the legal profession, and this by extension can relate to the justice system as well, is that they're making it a requirement under um, for lawyers to take this cultural competency training and they plan on doing more training. And um, the rules in the Law Society Act, many lawyers have resisted this. And in fact, we were able to get a petition signed to the Law Society demanding a special meeting to repeal the rule that they voted in favor of after they gave themselves the authority to demand cultural competency training of their lawyers. And so um, we're going to be having a special general meeting uh, sometime before February 13th. And it's going to be important for all lawyers to be involved in that and to attend. It's likely going to be online because um, one, it's our position that the Law Society of Alberta does not have the jurisdiction to mandate that sort of training under the Law um, Legal Profession Act. And two, um, this notion that, well, it, two, the Law Society is supposed to protect the public and govern lawyers to ensure that they are they're behaving ethically. Mm -hmm. And they're not causing harm and that the public are protected. And a lot of the rules stem around holding of funds, for instance, uh, in trust. And there's lots of rules around that. That's one thing. But what the Law Society doesn't have the authority to do, in our opinion, is to mandate this cultural training. Because in effect, what they're doing is um, they're they're. Lawyers as professionals ought to be able to decide which training they want to uh, undertake as part of meeting their professional requirements to their clients, which involve understanding the law, understanding the case law and understanding um, the legal issues. In cultural training, like what the law society has done is does not fall within that purview. And, um, what people don't understand and even people who found the training helpful or informative don't understand that the law society it's very it's a slippery slope between that and um and what for instance jordan peterson is going through right now uh with the college in ontario and them requiring social media training and, and things like that so we're seeing in this in this country a swell of a wokus ideology taking over almost every institution. And, you know, what I found really interesting about when, when Danielle Smith got elected and I happen to agree with her is um, this statement that she, that was quoted of her on um, that was published on October 22nd, 2022. And she said, with respect to the fines that people were receiving and had received under the public health act and and federally as well. She said, quote, it was a political decision to throw out the Charter of Rights and Freedoms to put those fines in place in the first place. And I think it can be a political decision to make amends and apologize it for it and eliminate them, end quote. And I agree with her. This is all political and this always has been political. And from my perspective, if the government had any political will to do right by these four 
for men in jail right now. And pastors who have been persecuted and charged have been put in jail. Other people who have been fined, ticketed, put in jail, and otherwise censored, they have the political will to do this. And it's no different than really what just uh, what Tyler Shandro has done with the gun grab. Mm-hmm. Um, he's made That's it right. very, very clear that um, that that um, Alberta is not going to enforce that that federal legislation federal legislation that's coming in, and I think that um, Daniel Smith can do the same thing here. the The issue is, from my perspective, in terms of why she won't do it, is because her whole cabinet was responsible for invoking laws and enforcing laws that violated the Charter of Rights Mm -hmm. and Freedoms and the Alberta Human Rights Act Mm -hmm. right from the very beginning. Danielle Smith, when she was um, campaigning and after she got elected as leader, was very clear that um, she was going to take action with AHS. She did take action by appointing a, a left-leaning um, liberal who wears rainbow masks and encourages people to run out and get their sec- uh, third booster or or booster. She um, fired the board. And so now there's one person who's overseeing all this right now. But what she also did was she absolved the government really uh, of any wrongdoing, blaming a naive and... Um, inexperienced new premier, Jason mm-hmm. Kenney, yeah. who recently had become the premier of Alberta and that he was essentially, these are my words, I'm paraphrasing, but he was essentially duped by AHS and Dina Heha. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's, that's quite, that's quite easy. So uh, it's quite easy to do and convenient. You know, there should have been a public inquiry called and there still should be a public inquiry called but the fact that her cabinet is made up of these people and tyler shandro who's the ag is also not keen on making these uh reforms to the um to these laws is problematic because how can the government then how can the government then um, not attract liability when they don't enforce the laws where most of their cabinet was enforcing in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is all political and it always has been political. And so she may not have the pull to pardon. She may not have the pull to influence, but she can because she can change the laws. And she can change the zeitgeist of Alberta in the minds of Albertans. She came out and she she can change the, um, for instance, the Employment Standards Code. Yeah. She can try, she can she can add vaccination discrimination to the Human Rights Act. She can change the Alberta Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. She can amend the Public Health Act, and she promised to do that when she was elect when she was running for leader. Mm-hmm. And instead, we were delivered the Sovereignty Do Nothing Act. And there's not going to be anything that we're going to be able to do under that act that we already aren't able to do. And in fact, we are seeing the devastation that um, these governments continue to bestow upon Albertans and Canadians. 
And we see that with um, things such as, you know, the carbon tax increasing, the industrial carbon tax emission um, is going to be increased and it's going to be going at $15 a year each year until 2030, where they meet their goal of $170 per ton. Now, if you believe that carbon dioxide is a pollutant, if you believe that um, um, climate change is real, then I guess you're on board with something like this. But I actually don't think most Albertans feel that way. And I I would definitely say most don't. And certainly probably the majority of the viewers that are watching right now are not because we've, we've had interviews with Michelle Sterling. We even had a conversation with Christopher Scott last, last week in which he came back from the Netherlands and was telling us what is happening over there will probably end up happening here unless we actually say to hell with this, we need to make this stop. So I'm pretty sure, and, e- and even the people that I just kind of ran ran into on the street, and we have this conversation right away, it's like, oh, hell no, there's that climate change thing isn't real, but they have no idea how to stop it. And that's well, why they have, people- They have to get politically involved. And the thing is, um, Danielle Smith, I mean, you know, I've said this before, I mean, the NDP, are, they tell you exactly the tyranny that they're gonna give you and kudos for them to for being transparent, right? Um, this is turncoat politics and it's no different. I mean, whether or not, I don't know how Danielle Smith feels personally about it and whether what the politics are behind the scenes that are preventing her from doing this, but she's, she's a net zero junkie. She's full on um, this carbon tax um, reduce net zero train. And so, you know, one of the things that I've learned about over the last three years and read, you know, a book called live not by lies and we don't have any time we don't have any time to be um polite about this you know from a from a perspective of okay well let's just give people the benefit of the doubt they didn't really mean that that's not what's really going to happen they're going to do the right thing ultimately but we know people by their actions Mm And we know that these politicians don't have the political will. What they have been doing is they've been putting up a lot of nothing, these nothing bills that do nothing, and they're designed to placate Albertans and to trick them into thinking that something's going to happen. You know, people have said to me, well, you know, we just have to make sure that Rachel Notley doesn't get in. Okay. That's the big scare that most people have. But don't you think, like, just think of, and this is this is a plea to Danielle Smith. Be brave and courageous, Danielle. If you are really against, if you really believe that the unvaccinated were discriminated against, if you really believe that these charges were politically motivated and that the Charter of Human uh, Rights and Freedoms were completely disregarded, you have an ethical duty and obligations to Albertans. If you want to convince Albertans that you are the right leader for Alberta, you will live not by lies and you will tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may. And that goes for everybody in her cabinet and all the doctors and anybody else who was complicit 
in advancing this government tyranny. And you know what? How do we know that she won't win based on that? That is true. We know, we know that Albertans, I know after traveling the province for the past, all of last year, speaking to people, that we are, we all know. We all know that our MLAs aren't representing us. We all know that um, there are side deals being done, that we actually don't have any medical or other sovereignty with respect to um, any of our rights and freedoms in Canada or, or in Alberta. Think, you know, think of how, I just think that she would get such a great reception from Albertans if she was just honest. She was just honest with us and she did what she said she was going to do. But the thing is, she loves her job. She loves being premier. And this is the problem. And this is the problem of human beings in general, you know, and she has to, people like her and the politicians have to put their self interest way, way behind them. They have to do what's right. And, and I'm, I'm really tired of it. I'm really tired of hearing the same old, same old. And so, um, you know, I, I, I want, I hope the viewers hear that, I hope the viewers here, especially the freedom, freedom people who have been placated by Danielle Smith's promises. That she, how do we cast it? Like, how do we go forward? How do we help these men? That's like, right. Well, no, it comes to public opinion. Well, what's public opinion? Well, look at this is going to happen overnight. I mean, everybody wants a quick solution tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that our a majority of our population does not understand and does not know. And that is because the media is bought off. They are paid off and they are their their mouthpieces for the government who have Which is the whole point of the Alberta Prosperity Project in order to educate people, right? And and to talk about these these taboo you can't talk about at the dinner table type of topics. Don't talk politics. Don't politics. Don't talk oh, exactly. religion. Right? Like exactly. that's what we need to get back into. So one of the things I was going to uh, ask Catherine is you said, you know, uh, if our premier actually came out and, and said all this stuff and then changed the laws. So what would be that process in her for her to do that? Obviously, she would have to say, you know what, I don't agree with uh, climate change. This is what's going to happen, yada, yada. But it still actually has to go back through legislation in order to amend any or make new laws. What kind of timeline are we looking at that? Because, of course, now the big thing is we've got an election coming in May and we don't want to we don't want to rock the boat too much so that we can possibly win, et cetera, et cetera. Well, look at how fast she drafted and passed the sovereignty. Do, no, do nothing act. Yeah. It <laughs> was pretty quick, considering pretty cool. when, she was, when she was doing the, uh, the debate, she really didn't have anything in paper. Right. Well. A, a purportedly who who really yeah. knows right yeah. um but i'm sure they worked on it, it the act isn't very long yeah. i mean yes you need to cross-reference this act and that act and make sure that they all make sense and all the rest of it but she's had a long time to do that yeah. and um you know when she came out and she said that you know this takes we need to reflect on this further and i'll just make phone calls if your employer I'll call your employer if he doesn't, if, or your 
wannabe employer, they're yeah. discriminating against you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even as it is, I, I think we all know people that are still being discriminated against. And, you know, I, I get comments all the time, like, we're back to normal. What, what have you got to concern? No, we're not. We're not back to oh, normal. And, you know, I'm an actor and 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 uh, an actor actor and I cannot work on any shows. Yeah. Right? No, because I hear cuz that is the way it's set up right now and the and, and I've gone back to the union to discuss this sort of thing. And basically it says well it comes down to who the producers are and they make up the rules. So it's great that we're getting all these big productions in from the US. But they are so bought off in Hollywood about what's going on that I cannot get a job uh, going forward for any production coming to Canada. Guaranteed. Well, yeah. But, so, Carrie, you should probably call um, call Daniel Smith and she can maybe call call them for you because that's what her solution yes, was, that's right? What, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know, like Ron DeSantis, he's basically done the exact same sort of idea in Florida that, you know, like, again, talking about Disney. Mm -hmm. You, you cannot uh, discriminate against hiring somebody at Disney because of such and such. So great, the floodgates are open. So now everything is working great there. I mean, it seems, certainly seems to be one of the freest states down there. Um, but there's no reason why we in Alberta couldn't be the Florida or even the Texas of Canada. I'm surprised that, you know, we've got the, the 10 provinces and territories that not one officially has stood up and said, you know what, I really question what's going on until Danielle was was brought in. And really, she read from the APP playbook. Everything that was uh, said was was what she what she stood up for. Right. Well, OK, now let's we all need to put on our, our thinking caps okay. and we all need to we all need to discern. Yeah. People say a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly, by her actions, we will know, we've known, we do know what her intentions are. Yeah. So look at, she's going to roll out net zero, yeah. okay, like these net zero policies. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and this, was, this was the reason why I became a member of the Independence Party of Alberta. And, I, you know, I, and why I became a firm believer in leaving Canada. Because we have these problems and they're not solvable with, with necessarily this provincial, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, we're not going to necessarily be able to resolve this without court intervention. And, and even with the courts, we know that they're, you know, sideways anyway, and, and progressive leaning. And so, they bought into the fact that there is a climate change emergency and that it, it is sufficient such that they need to bestow the federal government with jurisdiction over things like imposing carbon tax, etc. So we're not going to get any relief from the court. And so we, we have to we're either going to get the blue version of genocide or the orange version of genocide. And why is net zero genocide? Well, net zero is genocide because we are going to destroy our economy mm -hmm. and people are going to starve yeah. and people are going to become depressed and people are going to take desperate actions because they have nowhere else to turn because they've been completely given up by their governments. Mm -hmm. Right. And so 
I don't know if Albertans need to go through. I mean, you certainly don't need to go all the way to the bottom. We don't need to hit rock bottom, but we don't have time to believe, that, oh, Danielle Smith, she can't do what she's doing. She'll do it when she gets reelected. Really? And how are you going to get? And how are you going to get good people reelected, Danielle? How 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 is that possible when you're not allowing people to even run for nomination in the ridings that they wish to um, seek to represent? Yeah. Because of a social media post. Yeah. I mean, we've this is absolutely ridiculous and. And what the conservatives, the so-called conservatives have done is they've kind of pandered and knelt down to this woke, these, these woke leftists that seem to have captivated them. They're afraid to offend anybody mm -hmm. and, uh, or trigger anybody, you know, microaggressions or would be caused all over the place. Yeah. And, um, and so it's going to be up to Albertans to stand up and rise and to, to elect people who actually put their money where their mouth is and who have been vocal. And you will see that through their th through their actions. And so, I mean, I'm planning on running as an independent in my writing. And I think that people as, as an independent, not for the Independence Party. That's I'm correct. Yeah, so that's the other correct. Yeah, the other thing I did want to mention, because I'm, I'm sure someone will be banging on their keyboard, I just want to say again that we are a nonpartisan, not-for-profit yes. educational society who are advocating, inspiring, and educating Albertas on the merits of freedom and prosperity through independence. So we are not endorsing any particular uh, candidate. We're not endorsing any particular no. uh, party, but we are endorsing the ideas and so well, you have to endorse APP has to endorse a call to action. And yeah. how else are you going to get people to rise up and be participate in their lives without Absolutely. them considering politics as an avenue of that, right? Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And yes, APP has definitely not endorsed me. Yes. So, but that's my plan. And my plan, and I think other people need to consider. If you don't align with a political party, then consider running on your own yeah. because because that's what fundamentally our democracy intended. And political parties actually have created a giant, huge mess. And I think people I think I think people who um, are educated on the issues and resident and I and encourage constituents when you're voting for somebody, you know, you take that into consideration because. Okay you know, you know, nothing changes if nothing changes is what I've always said. But, you know, at the same time, people need to get involved. And, you know, some people say to me, well, they don't, they don't want to get involved in politics or because they're not political. Yeah. Well, let's, let's think about that for a little bit. Yeah. Politics has basically enveloped every aspect of our lives. Go, going to the grocery store during COVID became yeah. political. All of our lives, you know, sending your school, your kids to school to um, to maybe, you know, learn about colonialism and white supremacy and uh, how guilty you should feel because your ancestors did something that you had no control over. And, and by the way, let's end the day with a drag show. Yeah. Yeah. Drag queen show. I mean, that's political. It's all political. Our what is our in our food, 
um, is political. What they're spraying in our skies, it's political. And so we need to see see things from a different perspective right now. And, and the attitude of somebody else is going to do it um, and that uh, that's not really my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. I, I encourage people to reconsider that because, because it all is political now and we can't escape it from my perspective. From And, where and you know what, we, we, we've said that kind of right from the beginning of uh, the, the COVID and of uh, getting involved, right? Like it doesn't matter what, you know, it's great. Get involved in a constituency association. I didn't even know what one was like a year ago, right? And yet yeah. here I am, here I am kind of where I am. And, but people should be involved no matter what. Like get involved in your community watch program. Go out and meet your neighbors. I think that's the other thing too. I have neighbors here that now granted I'm never home, but I, that I have not even met. Right. And and that's what I need to do is go and bang on doors and find out if they are, are interested in, in any of this, as well as, you know, get involved with your school. Right. I, I don't have school age kids anymore, but I certainly am really intrigued by by what is going on. The whole Soji and like you said, the drag show and like I really want to have those conversations with people in charge. Right. And exactly. so so people that are watching, you should be doing the same thing. Like get involved, just just even if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, you know what? We've been we've been so comfortable for so long and now we're uncomfortable. Let's get a little more uncomfortable and actually have these conversations. Right. So one of the I'm just gonna go back to uh to, to Margaret over here again. So again, we we talked about how how these laws would end up possibly getting changed. And you know, uh, again, it's it's all this fluff that may or may not happen before an election, etc. But in the meantime, we've had some questions here and, and can uh, the Coots uh, the guys get any uh, legal aid? Can, can they go through that sort of a, a process, maybe even getting Rebel News to, to, to look after those guys? Of course, they're looking after the other three, but not the four. Um, and, and obviously, is there, like, is there any lawyer that could do it for, for free, which <laughs> lawyers don't do anything for free? Sorry, Catherine. But, um, but well, I mean, let's be honest. Like, okay, yeah, I, I, I don't get paid unless I get paid by a client. That's right. That's yeah. my arrangement. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so, what am I to do if I worked on a case that needs this sort of attention? Yeah. How possibly would I feed my family? I That's mean, right. you know. Yeah. And so, it's not that lawyers don't want to do the work, and but you know, it, it, it it's a lot of work. And, and you need to, and you, so I, I empathize so, so much with what is happening. And I, and I feel so horrified, like horrified for these guys that are sitting in jail right now, because it's a complete injustice for sure. And what you've done by bringing attention to them, the way you've done that is absolutely perfect. Um, but I agree with you. More needs to be done. But yeah, I think that um, why isn't Rebel looking at this? Yeah, yeah. They won't talk. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say that out loud, but um, they don't want to even acknowledge it. Like there was confusion with the four and the three. And yeah. it was me screaming from the rafters. It's not the four. No, no, no. Rebel's helping the four. No, yeah. they're not. They're helping yeah. the three that aren't in jail. Likewise, there, there's a couple of other people. So, uh, and I don't have the name in front of me, but there was another girl, the the, the one that took the, uh, the the prisoners in, and then she ended up Joanne. going to 
Joanne, Joanne Persons. She, that's right. She ended up going in uh, mm -hmm. in front of court, and basically, I guess it was dismissed uh, on Monday as well, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, another guy, another uh, James Sowery, uh, I think that's how he pronounced his name. He's also being uh, going to the courts now. Um, so, and and it sounds like they're actually going back through uh, Facebook posts and uh, trying to find texts and uh, in order to, to do all this. Um, I guess legally, anything that gets posted online, is it fair game for the police to go through? Um, that's just a question. I don't know if there's an actual answer to that. I guess it well, depends. I think so. I, I think so. It's fair game. It's public. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, so. What are they looking well, for? I have no idea. Maybe anybody that's involved, which obviously would include all of us. Right. Yeah. So in theory, they could be coming after all of us. They could even be coming after anybody that maybe went to uh, the local grocery store and went against the arrows on that one particular day. You shouldn't have done that because you got uh, somebody sick. Uh, like, how would they even uh, do that? Uh, I have no idea. But uh, but all I really wanted to say, so we're we're kind of looking at what what can we do right now. So. Yeah, like uh, Margaret's got the, uh, the the give send go that we've talked about. Is there anything else going on uh, for the guys? Any kind of fundraiser going? Well, there's a, a I guess it's an anniversary convoy going down to Coots. Okay. And uh, there's going to be a fundraiser down there. Okay. And that's on the 28th. And I had a, a strange phone call tonight. Yeah. At about 5:15, I had. Um, Staff Sergeant Jay Buck Buckner okay. give me a call. And okay. he wanted to know about the convoy that I'm organizing. Yeah. And I said, I'm not organizing a convoy. Yeah. And uh, he says, well, we need, can we meet tomorrow and have a chat about it? And I went, why? I'm not organizing it. Yeah. So there's a mistake right there. Proof in the pudding. Yeah. A mistake. He's yeah. he said no. An email went across his desk with my yeah. name on it, and obviously yeah. my phone number. Yeah. And uh, he's looking to help be a liaison for the the convoy that's going down to Coots for the anniversary. Because and I agree, he wants to keep everybody safe. So, Staff Sergeant Jay Buckner, mm -hmm. phone number seven eight zero four one zero four three four six. If anybody knows the organizers of the convoy, could you please give them yeah. Jay Buckner's phone number, please? Yeah, yeah. There, done I, my part. Like even these posters, I mean, we've posted them already on our sites and mm -hmm. uh, they're just, you know, it's it's out there, domain. I don't know who the originator is or, mm -hmm. and it's it's like the the convoy. It's just it's just a generic you know, people are, are interested in it. And if they want to go down, obviously the poster says uh, uh, what the convoy is. Uh, it looks like there's a barbecue and silent auction. Um, you know, it does say safety first, please obey traffic yep. laws and be courteous. Well, Jay um, wants to help. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. So then that's, uh, then that certainly, certainly helps. So. Mm -hmm. um, but what can we do? Is there any kind of, public opinion is there somebody we can try and push like there are four men and i'm going to say hypothetically let's say they're innocent yes their families are ruined they had seven children amongst three of them yeah. they were the providers for these seven children yeah. um 
the families have been destroyed. They've two of them have lost everything. They've went through, I think, seven lawyers between three of them right now. Yeah. Uh, one's got legal aid. Supposed he's got a lawyer. Legal aid says they're sending the stuff over. And uh, when he phoned today, oh, it's been flagged. Somebody put a stop on it. Well, who? Who's putting a stop on it? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. There's been lawyers interfering. There's been the crown interfering. Enough. So yeah. who is supposed to speak up for these men? Because yeah. it's one sixty-one year old grandma is not enough. No, that's right. So yeah. we well, this help. Part, yeah, and this is part of what you're doing here too. Like, um, and uh, you know, we need to get we need to get the media on side. Like we really need to get the media to understand um, what's at stake because it's not just about these guys. It's about no. them ultimately. Like it's going, this type of behavior is going to affect all of us, but you know, but right now it's, it's about continuing to raise this awareness um, mm -hmm. because yeah, restitution needs to be made. I, you know, I, I think it's definitely within the government's bill, um, wheelhouse to bring legislation in that puts an end to all of this and makes restitution to people. Yeah. yeah, like put them on house arrest, do something like, like there's fathers at, at play here, their children yeah. need them. Um, like, like Chris Lysick, um, I was on the phone with him just before we came on air. And uh, like his one daughter, he would like to, you know, find out what's going on with her. And like, this has been hard on the children, yes. like extremely hard. I can't even do, imagine. Do these parents have any parental rights anymore? They're innocent until proven guilty. So do they have any parental rights? Well, the thing is, um, there's a massive trend that I've seen over my career with the judiciary and, and it stems from, it stems from the zeitgeist, I think of our, of our world really, that more and more parental rights are being eroded. And like, for instance, like children at the ages of around, you know, 13, 14, 15 and above, can decide what they want to do for themselves mm -hmm. and you know judges will enforce that whatever the kid wants to do regardless of how crazy it is or how many puberty blockers mm -hmm. they want to take right yeah. uh, par parents are being eroded from the equation already like you know secret societies under the guise that um they're going to be abused at home you know well how many of those people just we're told by their parents that no, we're not going to put you on puberty blockers until you're um, 18 years old and you're an adult and can figure it out on your own. How many people just said, no, I'm your parent. That's not going to happen and not under my house. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a, we, we need to look at this as, as from a bigger point of view, because this has been something that has been, this is systemic this this bias and this prejudice and and this inequality and this um plan of satan i will call it uh has been un, unrolling for decades and we are we are seeing the fruits of it right now and unfortunately um you know we're behind the eight ball in terms of combating it but it doesn't mean that we don't continue to try right. and yeah there might be no magic um you know you know one that we can we can i wish there was believe me i wish there was um and i think you all do too but mm -hmm. now it, 
it's, it's incumbent upon us to just get active. It's, it's not, and to not be afraid. And I know a lot of people, a lot of my good friends are, you know, as well, like they have, they believe what we believe in, but they're afraid. And my, my, my appeal, I guess, is to, is to those people. It's, we can't stay silent any longer. No. And, and it's about pushing back in all instances. It's about challenging the governing bodies. It's about challenging your employer. It's about challenging the schools, making sure that you're, you know, you know, voicing your opinion to the extent that, you know, and it's about getting involved, but we have to change the way society sees this. Yeah. And when we recognize what really what's play at play here, we, we, we need to level up as a society. Mm-hmm need to and we don't have any more time to just wait for somebody else to fix it wait for danielle smith to do the right thing because mm-hmm. she's not going to she's been given that opportunity and she's failed yeah. well she keeps you know and i i think right now she's probably thinking if she says anything it's political suicide well, or maybe it, it might be political suicide if she doesn't help these four men maybe That's maybe true. she should think that way that is true. That's what I think. Why can't, like, I, I, I agree. Be the Ron DeSantis of, of mm-hmm. Canada. Yeah. You know, talk be, about the elephant in the room. Like, talk get it on the table. Because people respond to the truth. Mm-hmm. And people appreciate the truth. And, yes. and I think that, you know, playing into these psychopaths and their agenda, you know, they're culpable. These people are culpable too. Like you have an oath, a duty. You took an oath and you have a duty to Albertans. She needs anybody in that position, all MLAs, all elected officials, city councilors, whatever. They need to level up and stop being cowards. Can I ask a a question? So hypothetically again, if there are some liars in this equation, that are lying about certain events that took place or lying about, I don't know, anything. Yeah. And it gets proven that these guys are innocent. Those people that were part of the lies and part of the, what happens to them? They just can't walk out of this. I think it depends what the lie is and how it was disseminated, but maybe there are defamation cases and civil suits that can be brought. Mm -hmm. You know, CBC posting that like there was supposed to be redacted uh, documents and they, they put the real, like the whole thing out there and then went, oops, sorry. We put it back down. Well, I, you know, I would say sue them, but I have such zero faith in our, our judiciary that they would do the right thing anyway. Um, And that's the problem. I mean, sure. Try make a public, create a public record. You might find somebody who's keen enough to actually and brave enough, a a judge who's brave enough to enforce the law as it's written without fear of reprisal from the, the, the woke brigade. But, um, you know, those things, you know, certainly must, you know, elect somebody who's prepared to give restitution to these people. I mean, um, when you find out who's caused what damage, we certainly know that the government has caused a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. You brought up a good point about the judges. So what is actually the process of a certain case being brought in front of a certain judge? And the reason I'm asking that is because it, from my understanding is that um, 
there there are certain judges that look over certain precedents, etc. And and as even as far as I understand that, let's say we go into uh, uh, child and family uh, health uh, or child and family family. Let me say that again. Services. <laughs> child and family services. My understanding is it really is only under one judge. Well, I don't. I, I think me. I, I think that the chief justices of the, each level of court has the authority to assign judges to things, yeah. and justices. And yeah. so, um, you know, I, I suspect some of that is probably happening because it, there seemed to be a trend across Canada where the chief justices were dealing with a lot of these issues, or the associate chief justices were dealing with these issues, yeah. and. Um, and yeah, why, why is that the case? Right. Yeah. So, um, and trying to understand how that works for, within the judiciary. I mean, you can imagine that, I mean, we filed a group of lawyers filed a complaint at with the Canadian judicial council against Supreme court justice Wagner for his comments about the trucker convoy uh-huh. and his blatant bias remarks that he made um, to a a media publication in Quebec. And we we filed a complaint saying, look, you're going to have, you're going to hear these cases eventually, hopefully if they don't get dismissed because they're moot. And, um, and so you're going to hear these cases It's inappropriate for you to do this. Um, You know, you'll, you need to have a plan to recuse yourself um and stop it like you, you you have to stop it you know you have personal opinions but you need to appear unbiased and yeah. conduct yourself accordingly yeah and our complaint was dismissed yeah. but he's also the chair of the canadian judicial council so you know we need we need major reforms in in all areas including uh in our lawmaking but also in our judiciary as well we need a mechanism to hold judges accountable and we need it to be more transparent um some people have suggested and i i think that there's nothing wrong with this is electing judges um, or creating some sort of mechanism so that you know because right now they're tenured and they stay on until they you know stumble into court you know and they they don't know what whatever so they need to there needs to be a mechanism to deal with that and and clearly more transparency because um, I think if they took a public opinion poll uh, about the public's faith in the judiciary as a family law lawyer in that cross section alone, I can tell you that they would be failing mi- dismally. Yeah. Well, that's that's certainly a lot to talk about. We're at uh, just over an hour. We can easily talk for another extra hour uh, for sure. I, I did want to talk a little bit more about uh, the stuff that's so we've, you know, cover it. Of course, we can never cover everything, covering uh, a little bit of what's going on in Coots. And uh, so what's happening with uh, Lawyers for Truth? And you're you're advocating for uh, people that were let go from uh, from work. Uh, and and likewise, I, I do want to know if you have any comments about any. Uh, I kind of brought it up the child and family services type of stuff that's going on here in Alberta. Do you uh, do you want to talk about any of that? Uh, well, sure. I mean, what Lawyers for Truth really is um, good at doing is connecting people with other lawyers. Um, of course, we were really pivotal in uh, helping people assert their rights 
with respect to not wearing a mask and and also helping people with um with the vaccination we connected a lot of um people who were fired with lawyers so that they could get some assistance and you know i'm bringing my own case before um, you know, I'm suing the court of King's Bench and the Provincial Court of Alberta over their masking law policy. And it's a charter challenge. And so we're still working on that. I mean, justice is, you know, that whole thing is is quite a slow process. So we continue to do that. And, and we're going to continue to help people, um, especially as it relates to um, these governing bodies who are unnecessarily harassing uh, professionals who are brave enough to speak out and actually help people assert their rights and enforce the law. And so we have plans to do that. We have one lawyer who's been doing a tremendous job with Stacy's happy place in Eckville. She okay. was, she was demonized by AHS yeah. and shut down over literally coffee creamer being in her bookstore. She was serving coffee as part of it. And um, where, how her business and her and her family have been treated have been absolutely horrible. Um, unfortunately, you know, um, Lanny Rouliard, who's the lawyer on the file, is getting the complete runaround. And um, and now they've brought an application to her two, two out of three, I believe, judicial review applications um, because she did bring it to the board, um, the public health board, and she's, you know, essentially appealing those what happened during um, in those decisions, and they're bringing now an application to render them moot at this point. So justice may or may not be served, and so we're, you know, we're we're trying to see where we best fit. Um, helping helping individual Albertans and doing advocacy like we have been doing to get the word out to remind people or tell people that if you think that this is going to be resolved through our political leader or our justice system to think again and you really need to 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 think about a different solution that is going to work for uh, Albertans and your family in particular, and you need to um, realize that we we need to really do something different now. And so, uh, my hope is that by sharing these stories about these injustices, about the courts, you know, about you know, there's still you know, CFS has a tremendous amount of power and authority. I, I talked to a, a psychologist last week and. You know, he worked for a brief time many years ago at Child and Family Services, and he was shocked at the power that they wield. And 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 I I think I think what Danielle Smith or any leader who gets in should be doing is doing a a review of these organizations. We know that government bureaucracy is bloated beyond belief, and not only that. Um, we need to look at the authority that has been bestowed upon these these um, these segments of our government uh-huh. to see um, what is going on. And I'm a big proponent of um, holding these pu- holding public inquiries and getting to the root of these issues. And CFS is one of them. 
for sure. The colleges and professional bodies is another that needs to to be looked at. And of course, the government's handling of of the COVID-19 fake pandemic. So we've got, you know, we've got all these uh, uh, political leaders, we've got the ministers. But my understanding is the ministers can only do so much. I think it's the next tier and maybe even after that, that kind of needs to be dismantled and, and set ablaze, really, because it sounds like those are the ones that are high up in the chain that they can actually get the work done and, and make these changes. But they're too, they're sitting on their asses actually doing nothing and, and, and making their big, big, uh, big paycheck. I think those are the ones that we need to be going after. So it doesn't matter who you elect into a certain position this next level are the ones that we should really be going after. And how would we even do that? Well, you have to get involved and you have to become part of the government. I mean, that's part of it. Right. And, um, and so until we, until we elect people who are prepared to scrutinize and make these tough decisions. I mean, I remember speaking with Todd Lowen um, probably uh, last, I don't know, March or May or April or something around then when he was, th- when he was announcing that he was going to run for leader and, you know, he described for the group that just as you mentioned, Carrie, that it's, it's the deputy ministers and the people yeah. below the minister that actually call the shots. And, yeah. and until those people are effectively dealt with, and then because ministers will w- walk into a portfolio and as you know, a political party, most political parties um, have a process that, you know, you're a backbencher or you're in you're in cabinet and, you know, backbenchers don't really have much of a say about anything. Yeah. And so when you're a minister, um, he described a scenario where, you know, you come you might come in guns a blazing. You have a whole bunch of things that you want to get done. And um, the bu- the bureaucrats tell you that no, that's actually not going to happen that way. And then, and then of course it's compounded by um, leaders uh, who also believe in in what the bureaucracy is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's actually quite a few questions, and you know what, we could probably at least go through some of these uh, and kind of check them off, and then um, we will try and get back on just talking about like there's, there's so much to talk about. So a couple of people had asked uh, even how Chris's court case and stuff went. So again, just to, to, to rehash that part. So Chris Scott from the whistle stop cafe was um, basically forced. Well, he basically stood up against the mandates back in January of 2021 uh and uh and ahs didn't like that so they came in and forcibly tried to close him down many many times our bar uh, uh my business partner marla fraser and myself had a bar called outlaws tapos and bar in calgary and we kind of did the same thing but we stepped in and said that we were actually gonna um not enforce masks because we had three uh people that worked with us that couldn't wear masks and so we took that stance and, uh, and even just in terms of the, uh, uh, the log books, uh, people coming in, if you remember that, that was a kind of a short lived law, but that, uh, that certainly impacted us. 
because our logbook was stolen. And then it was kind of like, well, what are you guys really using these phone numbers and for? Oh, it's for contact tracing, yada, yada. So we took a stand on that. And then they ended up forcing us close. So AHS came in and said, no, we don't agree with this. Uh, then they put pressure on AGLC in order to take away our liquor license, uh, which is a little tough to rent a bar if you don't have liquor. And then they uh, they basically came after the uh, the city of Calgary in order to take away our business license and then put pressure on our landlord who essentially just met with us and, and basically closed that off. So that all kind of took place roughly when Chris was doing his thing. So you have to imagine we were in Calgary, which has a lot of people, versus the Whistle Stop Cafe, which has 505 on a good day, right? And even though they were bringing the RCMP and stuff from, uh, from Bashaw, Essentially, um, that has now since continued on and gone to court. So Chris has already been arrested for for basically holding a protest or attending a protest on May 8th. He did four days, then he was fined a couple of things. But essentially, his court uh, on August 30th was to go back through these original uh, uh, CMOH order, chief medical officer order, health orders that said, you know, you could only do such and such. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what I can even talk about in the case, but I'm certainly, I can probably tell this, that the, the crown basically said, you know what, we're not going to care about everything that happened as of January of 2021. We're going to start on April 1st or no, pardon me. We're going to start on June 1st, I believe is what it was. So that was after Chris was arrested. So everything that brought him up to being arrested is kind of like, don't worry about that. That's not what we're worried about we're only going to worry about the stuff that was in place as of June. And if you remember July 1st was, we were open for summer, open for good. Uh, no, we're not. We're shut down again after six weeks or, or 12 weeks, whatever it was. Um, so now that's gone back into court and now he, uh, you know, it was August 30th and then it was bumped to October, bumped to November, nothing happens in December. So now here we are, it was January 16th in which he went into court and really at that in the August 30th date, there was the arresting officers, the RCMP officers, and the AMH, AHS uh, officer, or yeah, the, the guy that actually uh, wrote up the, uh, the CMOH uh, ticket, if you want to call it that. So that's it. And then there was the Crown Prosecutor. Now, as of two days ago, January 16th, we've now got the Attorney Gen General of Alberta involved. We've got the RCMP lawyers who were, were in attendance. We've got the AHS lawyers who were in attendance. And the reason is, is because of the disclosure on what was happening in terms of emails, text, phone documents, that looks like AHS was talking to RCMP and saying, we really got to shut this guy down. And you know what? No matter what, we got to shut this guy down, which is totally illegal. They can't do that. Well, you know what? That it doesn't surprise me because that's what that's what um, Stacy is facing with Stacy's happy place. In, in yeah. essence, we have the public health board who made made these ridiculous decisions, um, complete bias and and corruption, really. And yeah. they're trying to insert themselves into that case, into these judicial reviews, which is effectively an appeal of their decision. And so we're trying to figure out, like, on, on what grounds do, can can this board insert themselves into becoming a defendant that yeah. they're, you know, like, it's just, 
it, it, it's, it's becoming an upside down circus and it's becoming clearer, clearer and clearer to people who are involved in these matters exactly yeah. how corrupt it is. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so there's a couple of things. So obviously Chris's case is a big case because it could have some sort of precedent going, well, I guess going forward, but essentially backwards for, for cases like us. Like if we went back and asked for a documentation uh, or, or some kind of disclosure about what did AGLC talk to AHS about, they, we might find out that they said that we should shut down outlaws, right? We also have Tipsy Cow and Hannah that that could have happened as well. We have the Noble Fox in uh, in Basha. Uh, we have uh, there, there's so many of them. Um, uh, Hockey Central and, and Silver Lake. All of these opened in defiance. And it sounds like AHS basically went to the RCMP and said, look, we can't do anything because we're just AHS, but we're going to force your hand in order to go in and actually close them up. Well, the thing is, we can change the law. I mean, it's, it's a sim the solution is very simple here. We change the law and we say, no, we don't, we're not enforcing this any longer. Just like Tyler Shandros drawn the line for gun owners in Alberta. And yep. good for him because that's the right thing to do. Yep. Um, but this is what needs to be done now for this this shenanigans. Like yep. enough, enough is enough. Yep. And and we need we need we need somebody who is politically motivated to actually change this, yep. right? Yep. And and so that's that's where this lies. It lies with the lawmakers and their willingness or unwillingness to do so. Yep. That's where it lies. So elect. Vote somebody different. That's all I'm saying. That's right. So because this is a live, uh, it's interesting when you're, when you're actually doing it live and you're, you know, we're an hour and 20 minutes in. When people just jump on now, they've totally missed the conversations we've had previously, right? So it's almost like, okay, when we're done, go back and rewatch it and find out if it answers some of your questions. So uh, here's a couple of questions that have come up from APP chapter leaders, which I'm not going to say they should trump everybody else, but they're they're important only because they have the meetings that will talk about these, everything that we're talking about now, everything we've talked about in webinars. Uh, we even have a, a webinar on Thursday. All this stuff needs to be talked about at these chapter uh, events. So if you even if you have, you know you want to get involved but don't really want to get involved, go and find an APP chapter. And go out and listen. You don't even have to do anything. Just sit there and listen. And uh, maybe maybe the chapter leaders can change your mind. So the question was, is there anything Daniel Smith can do to help the boys in jail from coots? We've kind of yeah. talked about that. I mean, just change the laws. Step up. Like, uh, you know, if you have to puff up your chest and say, uh, I'm not going to stand for this. And the people of Alberta are not going to stand for that. Then then that's your your line in, your sand, in the sand, right? And, uh, and one person uh, also asked for clarification as to whether or not the boys in jail, uh, in coots, in, in jail, are they really in jail? Have you physically seen them in jail? I'm going to start going around. I will document yes. that I've seen them visually. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they, they are definitely in jail. And it's yes, I talk to them all the time. And I don't know what they're, what, what is happening with them in jail. Do they get any free time? I know people have sent, uh, uh, like Christmas cards and, and even birthday cards. Uh, mm -hmm. it, so what happens in that process? Do they actually get time to read them? Like, Well, it they're getting a lot. Yeah. Um, it shut down the Lethbridge uh, mailroom for a while. Chris and Chris got 
to go down and see their cards. Um, Jerry's getting 80 to 100. They kind of keep them for a week or two. And then they let them go and see them. They can't take the cards back to their room or cell room. Um, Apricots with them? (laughs) Apparently might be a weapon. So so they have been getting a lot of cards. Keep it up because um, their mental health is is on the line yeah. and uh we're pulling them through right now these cards and these letters that's what's keeping them going too how do know. they how do they get a hold of uh the the address of where they are can they can they just get a hold of you like and where, it's where, on my it's on the alberta um political prisoner website or okay. facebook page sorry facebook page okay. it's and every video i do a daily video every morning at six in the morning the addresses are in that that video like okay. they're there and um so yeah. it's only, it's only on facebook yeah okay so i know well, oh sorry i was going to say i know that there's a lot of people that have said like even for for our show uh you know uh, the uh, these webinars they're they're out on uh, youtube i think they're on rumble and BitChute. uh so there are other ways to get a hold of that because in case we get censored on facebook at least there's an opportunity elsewhere uh, but if, you know, even if you had an email address, uh, what is your email address? Then we well, can yeah, there's granny Mackay at protonmail.com. Okay. And, um, then there's granny and that's where the bumper sticker program is. Okay. Yeah. And so you can find out how to do that. And I really, I'm really pushing the, the bumper sticker program. Um, I've got them in seven provinces right now from New Brunswick wow. all the way to Vancouver Island. So these bumper stickers will end up in parking lots, Walmart, grocery store. And yep. when people ask about it, some people will, might get angry and say, you know, how, why are you, um, you know, got criminals on your vehicle? And you, all you have to say is innocent until proven guilty. Absolutely. Remember? And they haven't even had that opportunity. Or I guess guilty until, or yeah, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. And um, that that's all you have to say there's you don't need to argue because at the end of the day these four men represent each and every one of us because yep. if they don't get justice none of us have justice yep. and exactly. if, and if one of us end up ends up in jail i hope you've got somebody on speed dial to be your voice because these men went without a voice for a long time yeah that's right so and again, questions have come up. Uh, I'll paraphrase that they're asking. So, do the men already have lawyers? Have they had lawyers? Have they gone through lawyers? And what is the process of them possibly getting other lawyers, even going through other uh, other groups in order to get lawyers? So, do you want to maybe just tackle a little bit of that? Maybe just uh, do they have lawyers? Number one. Okay. And number two, like what's what's the yeah what's Jerry's. Jerry's had a lawyer from day one. He was fortunate enough. He he got somebody that uh, didn't get badgered. Okay. Um, the other three had lawyers that um, that quit. Some okay. didn't get enough money, so they quit. Um, two of them are, uh, I'm not sure. One's on le- trying to get legal aid right now, okay. which is a tough go. Um, so they've got the lawyers, but they're also being talked to by ex-lawyers to either charge two hundred thousand dollars for this or or you know you better you better quit now like it's it's unbelievable what's happening with these lawyers so i'm curious like what would be a rough number for them to actually go through this sort of a process and you can make it up if you needed to but just uh well one lawyer has been 
quoting that um, it could go as, as high as $500,000 for one person here. Is that right, Catherine? I guess depending on the case and then how long it gets drawn out and the amount of research and stuff going in behind. Does a lawyer have to um, kind of keep a, because one of them uh, was donated 30 plus thousand dollars from some people. The lawyer has taken that money and then he wanted a lot more money and didn't have that and he didn't have the money. So that lawyer quit, um, hasn't received an invoice at all to show where the money's gone and oh. has also advised other lawyers to quit. So if, well, if, if maybe, lawyer, yeah, go ahead. Then. Let's, let's talk offline and um, okay. you know, lawyers have professional obligations mm -hmm. under the rules and the code of conduct that they have to adhere to and yeah. accounting is yeah. one of them. Yeah. Cause another lawyer, um, he gave a good, invoice but there was ten thousand plus dollars donated by family and friends that's unaccounted for yeah well i mean mm -hmm. there there is a mechanism to review invoices and bills and you can challenge them for sure um and there's mechanisms to um you know the complaints can be made for instance you know i don't like you know well these men it's hard like they're inside phone access like this is really, really difficult, you know, to try and keep trying to get a lawyer in place and, and find out about invoicing and trying to get a phone call from some it's you, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, well, let's, we'll talk off offline. Okay, thanks, Catherine. Yeah. Um, but um, like I said, uh, give, send, go for donating. Yes. We've got yep. the bumper sticker program. We've yeah. got letter writing, um, pray. And yeah, um, yeah just just keep um, sharing. Like, even if you don't have money and you can't buy the, the bumper stickers and you can't donate, go to the, the Alberta Political Prisoners page and keep sharing. There's yeah. people out there that have no clue these men are in jail. And I think every person that was at Coots would yeah. like to know about these men and they don't know about them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it is interesting. So when were when were they arrested because that is that is when you when you say the date it's going to kind of blow people's minds when February were they, 13th and 14th February 13th and 22 almost 2022 yes. almost an entire year yeah and they're now not you think going, about it yeah. let's hypothetically go back again saying they're innocent yeah. how would your mental health be doing if you were sitting inside jail knowing you had not committed committed a crime and that's hypothetically saying they're innocent so, I would be a disaster. Yeah. So please keep writing them. Please keep sharing hope and and um, and let's keep spreading the word. Yeah. And Danielle Smith, if you're watching this, please do the right thing. And if there's a whistleblower out there that knows anything, think about it. Think what you've done yeah. and then face the music and step forward. So again, we can't really, I don't think we can actually talk about anything that we know about the case per no. se. And that's not what this is about. It's no. about due process and going through bail and uh, why were they denied bail, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that is kind mm -hmm. of what we're, we're talking about. So one of the questions, uh, why could these four men not be given similar conditions as Pat King was given or at least house arrest? And that part, I don't know. I don't know the charges that Pat King, I don't know his charges. Yeah, I don't know either. And as far mm -hmm. as I know, he ended up having to sign some of her, some sort of document in order to be released and then stay off social media. 
And, mm -hmm. you know, I think these boys would probably totally take that in order to be home mm -hmm. with their families. Yeah. And they should be, and they should be, they yeah. should be released now. Like yeah. they should be. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the, the fathers should, should be at home. Like this is uh, absolutely ridiculous. Seven children. Seven children did not have their fathers for, for Christmas. Tony yeah. is an only child yeah. to his 79 year old mother. And this is the first Christmas she's never had her son with her. This yeah. is devastating. Like Chris Carbert lost his father. Well, yeah, like, like he just lost in December, I think. Wasn't yeah, it? like this is, it's a disaster. And, and let's and, let's let's just again hypothetically say that they do get off and they're 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 free to walk. What uh, what retribution could they possibly go back to? Could they go back and sue the crown? Can is that a thing that you can do here in Canada? Because uh, again, it's like from what mm -hmm. I've heard, you can't sue a doctor here in Canada, but you could sue a doctor down in uh, the U.S. Well, I think I think it's going to be um, mostly. Um, politically motivated in terms of uh, we we're going to need to make restitution to these people. Like there's going to have to be some truth and reconciliation with respect to how people were treated. And um, if we're able to turn this around. Right. And so there are, you know, there are cases um, where people have, have, been somewhat compensated mm -hmm. but i mean at the end of the day we just need to get these guys out and exactly and they need and they need to um they do need to know that albertans are behind them and canadians are behind them and yeah. i think what you're doing is is really um admirable i'm i i think that what you're doing is is what you need to be doing and how we need to be tackling this. You know, when we don't, when you have a shoestring budget, which is, you know, what we're facing right now, mm -hmm. you know, maybe there's a philanthropist out there that's willing sure to be nice that, that sees, that sees this information. And these, were four, and these were four men that were working. Like yeah. these were, these were men that were, were good in society. And, and like, business owners too. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, and that, that business is now crumbled because they're no longer at the helm and they can't do things. And yeah. Make, and people lost their jobs. You know, there were employees. That's right too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, a question that happened about a half hour ago, my apologies for just scrolling back through, have the RCMP been charged with the equipment they vandalized in coots? So I don't know if you know any of that story, but I can actually attest to that and say, yes, they have been charged. And oh, wow. I, believe that, I believe it will end up going through some sort of a plea deal about that because they have on record that they have actually said that, yes, they were the ones that vandalized. And um, so, again, it's like if you vandalize any piece of equipment, um, depending on what's vandalized, I mean, if they can't use the equipment or they have to go in and get it cleaned or they have to, you know, it's basically out of service, you could charge people for for that amount of time. Like, I think that's a pretty simple way of, of looking at it. If if I had a piece of equipment and someone broke it um, and if it was supposed to be used and that was my income, I should be able to at least uh, get some compensation. So is that the RCMP that would be charged or is that the individual person? Does the oh, uniform trump the man? That is an interesting question, too, because mm -hmm. that I do not know the answer of. Because you can be working for somebody, but 
under what guise? You know what? I may just go through their insurance. I have no idea in that particular case, but, uh, but it does sound like that's uh, a thing. That's what's going on. Um, let's just see if we have any other, do we have any other questions that maybe you want to ask Catherine or uh, Margaret directly? Um, mm. You know, and, and by all means do that. Um I mean, this this has been uh, a wonderful show in terms of in terms of enlightening what's been going on with Coots, um, what's been happening with Lawyers for Truth, and 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 even the legal process. And again, you know, just kind of following up on the uh, the, uh, the the stuff that's going on with the whistle stop, and and of course all the other uh, restaurateurs, etc. Um, are there other any other big cases going on that are like wow i can't believe that we really don't know about that like in terms of is is this can you even talk on any of the cpcn stuff do you know anything about that uh i know leighton gray was working on that uh jeff rath um i don't know if anybody knows anything more about that yeah i haven't heard much from i yeah i haven't heard anything in fact but i mean i, I was I was uh, just disheartened to hear John Carpe getting arrested. That's right. Um, you know, and, and they basically had, they had to go back and and find stuff on him as well, right? So they, I mean, he was arrested because, in theory, well, not even in theory, I guess he did hire a private investigator to follow some uh, ministers around, and uh, and maybe that wasn't the smartest thing uh, out of the gate. But I mean, at at the time. Um, you know, you're kind of looking and, and seeing what options do we have. And so here it is like a year and change later where they actually uh, say, no, 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 you can't do that. So we're going to arrest you. Is there, is there uh, like, can people go back further than two years on any of that? Well, I think that they're going to use whatever they can. Um, but at the end of the day, like I happen to, I, I think what John Carpe did in that instance by hiring a private investigator was great. Yeah. Um, I I was really disheartened when he um anyway I thought what he did was the way he needed to do it because really we're we're lawyers I I've hired a private investigator before for my clients because yeah. you get to a point where you you go before a judge and sometimes they don't hear you or they um, make assumptions. Uh, incorrectly and they make orders that are impractical or impossible to adhere to. Yeah. Um, and, and you know that, you know, in one of my cases, we, we were trying to go after, um, we wanted a, a practice note eight um, intervention done. And in a family law, that means that uh, it, it would have been a third party psychological, a psychologist report, expert report for the courts to determine where the children should live. Yeah. And they're very costly. They run at least, you know, around 30 grand to do. And, and my client was prepared to pay for it and uh, had the means to do so as well. And we weren't able to get it because, yeah. um, and instead of that, the judge just wagged his finger at the defendant saying, stop doing this stuff. And, you know, it had it, it involved um, alcohol and, and abuse issues. So we only the only thing that we could do was to hire somebody in order to see what was happening. And because we wanted to go through the normal cha channels that are available to us through the court at a tremendous expense to my client, and it was denied. And so 
we're in these crazy times right now. And this is the other thing I think we need to think about is, as well. You know, I, I'm not an advocate for breaking the law at all. However, we need to realize that our system is crumbling. Um, all three levels of our government have failed us and continue to fail us in, in every province as well, and including this province. And we need to understand that we need to do things differently. And I think it's perfectly fine. Um, I think it was perfectly fine for John Carpe to, to gather evidence. That's what he was doing. He was gathering evidence and how he intended on using it. You know, we don't know because the evidence wasn't gathered. Yeah. But is it, is it actually against the law to hire someone to be a private investigator? Is that? No, I don't think so. No. No, it's not. And I don't know the, all the charges, but I think one of them is obstruction. Yeah. And um, I did have that read to me the other day, and it doesn't sound like it falls within that part of the criminal code. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, these are political witch hunts. That's what they are. Just replying back to a couple of uh, messages on here about uh, some of the comments that we've already had. Um, yeah, I forgot again, to mention, yeah. too, um, the Go Yellowstone ahead. Freedom Field will be having a one-year anniversary, and I think it's uh, February 11th, and it's a family-friendly event. It's a yeah. potluck, and um, they're going to raise money for the boys, too. Yeah. So, um, and, and it really is family-friendly, so they do... Um, Ask that there's no FJT flags. Yes, flying. yeah, that's, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. And and where is that? Uh, that uh... it's out past on a way. It's on the highway to um, Grand Prairie. Yeah, yeah. And they're a good group of people. Really yeah. good group of people. Yeah. I know uh, Chris has taken the picker truck up there uh, at least once, anyways, that I remember, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, driving up to to uh, Grand Prairie and areas around there um what else have we got here um any, anything else that you guys want to bring up that maybe we haven't even touched on um any anything that was in your notes to say you know what i really really want well this a, to get a, through. a good message from the from the man they really from the bottom of their hearts thank everybody for their support yeah um it's really made a difference them knowing they're seen now yeah. uh they also like tony says this quite a bit he says you know there's got to be a reason we're in here it's got to do something you can't just be in there yeah. like it's got to have an outcome that's going to have an outcome yeah. that's going to benefit others like it's got to help somebody it's got to help the justice system it's got to do something you just can't be sitting in jail and it's not bringing a light to something and so, but they do, they thank everybody and the, the cards I get, I get a lot of, I get to hear it all. I get to hear everybody talk about the cards and, yeah. and um, they're yeah. special men. Oh, I'm, I'm not kidding. They're all, they've all unique and they're all so kind and so respectful. Like I said, I'm blessed to have them in my lives. Yeah. The, 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 the conversations I've had with the families, it's like, uh, yeah. I, I can't even believe that they were even brought together. And, and and as far as I know, they they don't really all know each other. No. They don't know of no. each other for certain things, but like it's it just seems to be okay. I'm going to pick this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy yeah. because quite. 
they needed somebody to do the fall guy. But yeah. again, I don't know. I'm not making any comments because I don't really know the ins and outs of the case. And of course we can't make that comment on whether they're innocent or guilty. Yeah. Again, the whole point is that they are not, they're going through something that I can't imagine what they are and that they need some sort of a due process mm -hmm. in order yeah. to get through bail and get the hell out of jail and go hug their families. I'm going to, like I said, go to that um, Facebook page. I'm going to have the men start sharing some of their stories. That would, um, be, that would be awesome. Yeah. About what they, you know, what was day one like? What was day 10 like? What was day 30 like? Oh, my gosh, we're going into wow. four yeah. months, you know, um, yeah. sharing who they are and what's going on with them. Yeah. They they can still have, they can still have a purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Catherine, did you want to? say anything well no just in i think just in closing i i really want to um just encourage people to um you know reflect take time to uh, ask for guidance and listen for a response and and realize that you know things are not getting better mm -hmm. you know they're meeting in davos right now and um, making some really good plans for us these unelected mm -hmm. officials um yeah. And so we need to, we need to continue to talk to other people. We continue, we need to continue to um, call it out when we see it. And as uncomfortable as it is, we still need to do it. And um, cause, because this, this is going to a place where none of us want it to go and we're losing, we're losing our, our sovereignty. We're losing our autonomy. Yep. We're losing our families and, the government, you know, we need to scrutinize these governments. You know, we need to cut, really need to cut the bloated bureaucracy. We yep. need to get to the bottom of what is happening in these institutions that have gone on check for far too long, including um, child and family services and are these professional bodies, <clears throat> you know, surface rights boards. We need to look at, you know, w, whatever, WCB, all of it. Because, you know, lives are at stake. It's getting more and more difficult for everybody to live, right? We, we're all experiencing the high costs of inflation. Yeah. And, um, you know, Bill Gates has already told us and they've already primed us for the next pandemic to happen coming out of Brazil in 2025, right? They, you know, they did event 201 yeah. uh, a couple of months before they un unrolled um covid and and now they're planning for the other one and they let's let's believe them when they say that they're going to do it because they they are actually going to do it yeah. and um and so my my hope is that that people feel um inspired is we have an election coming up in alberta get involved however you can get involved door knock for your local constituency association give money where you can um, get people who are good candidates in where you can. I know that there's some stuff going on around the province, you know, like, like them or not um, take back Alberta has achieved some great results um, in their riding with respect to um, um, Mr. Hubbin there, who was involved in that and, and mm -hmm. it, you know, in getting people who care about these issues into places where they need to be so that 
the right people can run in these elections and or at least a democratic process is laid out for people to run yeah you know and be careful because and don't be short-sighted um you know think about the long term think about what 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 really this conservative government is doing um and not doing and listen to what they're not saying and and look at their actions because you you will know them by your act their actions and we know that um we've seen another example of daniel smith you know being a turncoat essentially she she let all the freedom fighters who who she um she let them all down she told them that she was going to do something um do the right thing danielle smith do the right thing and i don't want rachel notley and those and those folks in either Uh for sure um but danielle smith is the premier right now and so she's the focus of this attention Uh and um write her everybody write her and don't give her the benefit of the doubt and don't let her get off on on the promise or on the excuse that she can't do anything right now mm-hmm. be be the support that she needs in order to make really tough decisions um but those the decisions that she will make uh, i believe by standing out on these issues um are the right are the right decisions and i think that we need courage right now and not self-interested politicians wow well for those people that are still on uh thank you so much for watching uh you know there's again there's so much that you could talk about in an hour and 47 minutes now and um you know i've I've always said that app doing these webinars and, and just getting the word out Share, 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 share this as much as you possibly can, because even though, you know, we've tried to answer uh, a a good bulk of the questions or or tried to answer particular groups of questions, when you share this out and people ask these questions, um, you know, get back to Alberta Prosperity Project and and maybe we'll do another webinar on this or maybe we'll do a follow up to this or maybe you've got something, another suggestion based upon another court case or something that you've had. Bring it to our awareness. Uh, go to albertaprosperityproject.com. Uh, I know there's a website uh, or an email. I forget it off the top of my head. But if you go to <laughs> albertaprosperityproject.com, there is definitely a contact form that you can do that. So if that makes sense to just kind of wrap up right there. Yes. Yes. Just one question. Does anybody yes. know when the Emergency Act thing is all done? Like when's the day that this is supposed to end? Oh, that's a very good question. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I think it's one of those things that doesn't have an end to it. Much, I thought it had to be. Like, I thought it had to be done by the day that he he did it. Like within the, they're going to come out with a decision. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Like when does it? Oh, that's coming out in February, apparently. Okay. Does it have to be by the time like he he did it? What day around the fourteenth or something? Right. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, it should be coming out sometime in February. I think he has to have it done by that day. I think. Yeah. I think. Well, we'll have, definitely have to look into that. Maybe we'll do another webinar on that data. Yeah, we can scrutinize that. <laughs> and if the RCMP arrests me for organizing a, a convoy, oh. please be my voice. Yes. We will be your voice. Thank and you. We, and we will be down in Lethbridge or wherever it happens to be, because that's probably where you'll end up going. <laughs> I don't even... 
you know, uh, it just, I don't even know. Someone said February 17th, but I don't know whether or not that's just a, a date that people have thrown out where they think, or if there's actually some, some actual documentation for that. So, uh, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely take a look. Uh, so here's the little spiel. We do weekly APP webinars every Wednesday with new speakers and new information as we go along. We also have a uh, drilling for prosperity uh, web series that uh, that takes place on Thursday. We also do that uh, on the APP um, Facebook page, the APP YouTube channel. Uh, just go to the Alberta Prosperity Project.com and look under the events and you will find out exactly what's going on with all of that. Uh, and one of the things I always like to do is to acknowledge the volunteers uh, for APP. Uh, our greatest commodity is the volunteers who have organized any event and whether or not it's the people working behind the camera and, and everything on this webinar or even at your local chapter events, give them a pat on the back because without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And uh, of course, we always want to have more volunteers if we can. So if you feel like you want to get involved with something like this, again, go to albertaprosperityproject.com and find out what we can do for that. And, uh, and I think that's it. So thank you very much for joining us on this beautiful Wednesday, uh, January 18th. And uh, I have the feeling if anybody's really interested in learning a little bit more, I think Christopher Scott and I may do a live uh, probably in the next 15 or 20 minutes. So you can always check us out on the <laughs> up, uh, Facebook page because we actually have some other news that I'm not going to mention on this one because it actually has nothing, no bearing on the Alberta Prosperity Project. <laughs> Uh, other than they are a fam fantabulous organization and I really enjoy doing these webinars for you guys. So thanks again. And you guys, thanks again, Catherine and, uh, and Margaret. Again, thank Catherine. you, Margaret. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. Thank you. you guys. PP. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Great. Much. Thank this you is... very much. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. Mm -hmm.